I never imagined magic existed. And if you told me it did, I would have never imagined I'd be practicing it. However, here I was, on my way to meet a keeper at her fort. On my way to meet someone who could teach me. In this episode, you'll hear of our first in-person meeting, of past journeys and future dangers. This is my first step to being one of the keepers of Alteria. Before we begin, I would like to thank the band Cabinet and Patrick Biondo for the music in the podcast. Uh, please check them out on cabinetmusic.com. All right, so I followed Ellie's instructions to get to the Israeli fort after uh, my call with her. And I got there, and the only thing I can tell you about it, so you could get the feel of it, is that it's old, but you can't tell by looking. So that's kind of... I can't really say anymore because... I just can't reveal anything about it or where it is. And Ellie opened the door for me. And the first thing you see in the lobby is a life-sized tug-of-war statue. And it is magnificent. You can actually, I'm going to do, I'm sorry for the pun, but you can actually feel the tension. Uh, on one side, you have a female teenager. And on the other side, you have 10 strongmen. Those strongmen, it's kind of, it's not really life-sized because the strongmen are a little larger than real-life people and the girl is a little smaller than real-life people, like equivalent. And so you have there, you have them there doing the tug of war in something that I later found out is a symbol of the discovery of Alteria. But we'll get to that in a bit. So me and Ellie, we sit down and someone who works at the fort asked me if uh, I could, uh, I would like anything to drink or eat. And qu- just quickly, Ellie dismissed him and she, she went, uh, it's, it's nonsense. If he wants something, he can go get it. Uh, so I, I hooked myself up and, uh, we sat down again and she pulled out a vial of water. And we all know that was Alterian water. And because, you know, why would anyone carry a tiny vial of regular water? It's stupid. And she says that before she lets me drink it, I have to understand what I'm getting into and, and why, why they're looking for a keeper in the first place. And to understand that, I, uh, I would need to get to understand how Alteria came to be. And I am going to recount that story today and I hope it's accurate enough. Uh, I remember most of it. Um, it should, it should be okay. Alteria was discovered in the 1620s, I want to say, by intellectuals who they, they felt social unrest was bubbling up. And they were looking for a safe place to, to, to migrate to with their families and friends. And this group of intellectuals were from dozens of countries around the world and they formed a society. Society uh, that outsiders uh, named... Um, the free society, because they acted as if they were free of the tyranny uh, of the rulers at the time. The free society had scouts, and 
those scouts, they would, they were very, very, um, meticulous. They would look at anything that even remotely sounded like something that can get them to, to what they want, which was a, a place to move to, a new land to, uh, to, to establish far away from, uh, kings, queens, emperors, and tsars of the time. And uh, here enters John Clark. John Clark is a scout who lived in Portugal at the time. And Portugal was uh, uh, a ripe place for expeditions. And, and so many uh, scouts were there. And John, John was approached by a housewife who she, she wanted someone to help her found, find her husband, which, is, which was a fisherman who was lost at sea. Now, as much as John was indeed a part of the local community, he didn't have the men at the time to, to, to send to, to help her. And he told her that fishermen get lost all the time, and that's just a part of life, and he's sorry for her loss. But this, this wasn't any fisherman. Two winters ago, there was a huge storm at night, and that fisherman in the middle of that storm, in the middle of the night, went to rescue his friend who was missing. He went alone, and they both came back. And that's like a very famous story over there. And his wife uh, told uh, John, the scout, he knows these waters like the back of his hands. So now, John, John... He, uh, he knew of this fisherman and he heard of him. And so now he has not any, just, not just any fisherman. He has a very experienced, well-known fisherman who went lost without any storm being reported. That's strange enough. However, he still didn't have any men to send. So he turned to his nephew, Everett. Everett was 19 at the time and he was training with his uncle John to, uh, to be a scout. John um, advanced the studies and sent sent Everett uh, to uh, to find the fisherman. Everett took uh, the fisherman's daughter Carolina, which was uh, sixteen at the time, uh, because she she went with him fishing often, and so she knew where to look for. There was one other thing that Everett had that gave him an advantage in the search, and that he had a world map drawn by the Free Society. And according to Ellie, that was the most accurate map of the time. So John uh, went on a scouting mission of his own for a couple of months, and when he returned, Everett and Carolina were still away. And John was sure something was up, because Everett was plenty experienced to do this kind of trip, to, to scout or to check or search for Carolina's father, for the fishermen. But he he didn't come back, so something peculiar must have happened. So John gathered his best men. They uh, went with three ships, which Ellie says is a lot, and left to look for Everett and Carolina. A couple of weeks into their uh, journey, they saw a coast that wasn't on their map. And well, sure enough, Everett, Carolina, and the fishermen were all there. The fishermen, they, they were so cocky that they all went to sleep and, uh, uh, and crashed on that coast. 
because they just assumed it wasn't there, right? They know they know they see like the back of their hands or something like that. And uh, funnily enough, that is how Alteria was discovered. When um, when Everett got there, he he knew this place was was what his uncle was looking for all those years. He and Carolina were busy mapping the coastline um, before leaving, and that's why that's why they they were there so long. And they've discovered two things while doing that. One, the place is only accessible to a certain route, and that's what we know today as the gate to Alteria. And second, if you breathe the air and drink the water of the place, you get stronger. Uh, at this point, Ellie stopped uh, the story, and she took the vial of water and told me to follow her. And we went to the lobby where there's the uh, 1 versus 10 tag of war statue that I told you about. And she tied a rope around the, the girl, which is the, the, the person on one side uh, against the 10 men. And she told me, she handed me the rope and she told me, tip the scale. I pulled as hard as I could. I really did. I really tried. I put my back into it and it wouldn't budge. Imagine how heavy it is, right? You have, you have stone the size of 11 people. Then she handed me the vial and I drank the water and I tried again and I expected the same resistance as before. So I pulled as hard and it was so hard that I almost fell back. Not only did I, did the, the um, statue move, but it was like, it was effortless. And for the first few centimeters, it was really nothing. And then as I pulled more, it got harder and harder. Like I was like using up my power. And the last bit was excruciatingly difficult. It was, it was very, very difficult. Um, and at that moment, all I wanted when I, when I just finished it, it was so hard to finish that last one because I knew I could do like a little bit more and it moved and it, I was done. It was over. I used it up. And all I wanted is to have another go. But before I could ask anything, Ellie said, this is what happens when you master the keeper's training. She went and did this kind of a karate stance facing the back of the statue. And she put both her palms on it and she just pushed it back where it was. It wasn't exactly, it's not like she was pushing with her hands. Her hands what were like the same in relation to her body, they were the same place. They didn't move. But she moved herself. So she put, it's like she pushed, she pushed the statue through her hands. At first, I didn't believe it. I was, imagine I, I, I'm like twice her size, right? And, and so I was blown away thinking, um, like, what's the trick here? What did she do? Maybe she drank some water without me seeing. And I just immediately told her, okay, push me. Fam famous last words, right? Um, I do my best, uh, like stable, like the most stable stance I can do. And I, 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 uh, I like all, I, I go low. So I have a low center of gravity. And she just, she stands there in front of me. She puts her hand on my center. And the same way she did for the statue, just to, just moved a little bit and she pushed. And I didn't have an even stand a chance. Um, and it didn't feel like she was pushing me really. It was like, I was, 
imagine that an immovable object moves and pushes you away. That's what it felt like. It's like pushing, it's like a wall pushing you. And yeah, that I want to learn that. <laughs> so back to, um, back to Everett. Everett told his uncle that the water and, and air, uh, where they were, make, uh, where they were at made people stronger. And his uncle in, in proper, uh, scout fashion did not dismiss the idea, just asked for proof. And you guessed it, Everett won a tug of war against his uncle's 10 strongest men. Some of them, however, thought it was just luck. So Carolina, Carolina challenged them. Everett was young enough at 19, but Carolina was 16 and a girl. Okay. Now imagine girls are generally, if you, there are some very, very, very powerful, strong, uh, women, but girls 16 years old are generally, uh, weaker than men. And in this case, it was a 16 year old girl against 10, 10 men in their thirties in prime physical condition. Now, this, this made them under, underestimate her, right? And so they didn't really pull. They just was, you know, half-assing it. And they almost lost because when it started, uh, she just went all in and they, they, they were caught by surprise. And, though, and in the last second, they, uh, they pulled their hardest and it was a tie. Carolina on one side and 10 of John Clark's strongest men on the other. Equal. That is the statue that's in the lobby of every fort. The free society had diverted all of its resources into Alteria. People migrated from all around the world. And in the following years, three important things happened. One, they figured out how to control the alter state better. So they knew how to use it, and they also knew that it would be gone if you leave Alteria. Second, the Alteria Trading Company was founded by Everett and Carolina, who, who by then were married. And um, Carolina was actually known um, um, by then by her shorter name, Caroline. And it helped, uh, the company helped people move, do business in Alteria, it facilitated things. And third, oddly enough, all of those people running away from monarchies instated the monarchy. And it, well, it's not like there were, there were many democracies back then, but still, it's kind of weird, right? Um, those three things were the beginning of what Alterians call the prosperity era. By the end of it, Alteria was maturing. And even though Alterians agreed on the topic of freedom from tyrants, they disagreed about practically everything else. And they needed space so people could live their lives as they, as they see fit. And Alteria was then split into areas called lands. And each land had like-minded people living in it. Alteria changed from the home of the free people to the home of the free peoples. It's, it's maybe, it may be a little bit sad that they split, but I guess that in the end, it's, it's a part of, of maturing. Um, People, people are different. We like different things. And at some point, we're, we're a pain in each other's ass, right? So 
the split is, is just, in my opinion, a natural step in, in Alteria's history. Along, along the years, Alteria was, uh, has been raided several times by bandits, and the raids were small. Because obviously no one believed Alteria actually existed. And that's actually a point I can, uh, I can make very easily. Do you believe me? Either way, it, uh, it did slowly caught on and, and raids got bigger and more frequent. And that worried, uh, Everett and Carolyn Clark. And it pushed them to action. They were quite old at the time and determined to make sure Alteria will stay safe after they're gone. And so they somehow, that's, the, that's according to Ellie, the big unknown ever, the biggest mystery about Alteria. They have somehow transferred Alterian water to Earth, still substance. Because usually when you take something um, that's altered or, or substance out of uh, uh, Alteria, then uh, uh, through the gate, then uh, the substance and washes off and the thing is no longer altered. So they somehow did it and they dug holes in dozens of locations around the, uh, the world and they filled them up with water, with the, with the substance water uh, and built a fort above each one and then they took the best people they had they trained them all very meticulously and so at any given time there there were five manned forts out of the dozens that were built and I asked Ellie why weren't it the king and the queen who built the forts and made the keepers happen and so she told me that the monarchy is strictly confined to inside of Alteria. So they can't operate outside of it. And I think there are even more limitations on the monarchy, but I uh, can't remember. Overall, it's it's pretty smart for what it is. Mm, what else? Oh, one year after the keepers were established, that's the main point, um, war broke. Um, devastating war, an organization codenamed OFD, uh, attacked the the forts and then had one of them under siege and the keeper of another fort then went to fight and end that siege and he was successful and OFD was defeated but that war was the first time a keeper died the, he did not survive a battle that he actually won and that battle also gave Alteria peace that lasts to this very day that's very sad, but no one ignores the fact that uh, everything is peaceful. Well, until recent times, where the Australian keeper, the one they are training me to replace, went missing. He, he and some of his crew just disappeared. No trace at all. And the keeper who went to, you know, to Australia to investigate concluded that the fort was not open from the inside. And Ellie tells me that a fort cannot be opened from the outside, only by another keeper, for, by any keeper. And since the other four keepers were away from Australia at the time, it really makes zero sense. Um... The, the entirety of it makes no sense. And Ellie told me that even though she thinks that, you know, even someone attacked them or something, that it wouldn't happen again in the same fort. But I still need to know the danger I might be in. That Alteria uh, um, 
maybe under attack and uh, that I am um, I, I am getting into uh, rough times and it actually uh, probably is under attack. I think that's their assumption right now. And I asked her, how do I know that they are the good guys? And she answered me a Ron Swanson style with another question. She asked me, if I was in my home, minding my own business, and someone came in trying to steal my water, am I the good guy or the bad guy? And that's a good answer, but it's not enough. It's not enough because everyone has a take on things. And I'm, I'm just going to be very alert during my training and I'm going to take everything in and we'll see. We'll see. Well, uh, I think that's it. That is the story of how Alteria was discovered. After the second COVID lockdown is over here in Israel, I'll be officially starting my training to be a keeper. And hopefully next episode, I could tell you, at least theoretically, how Ellie pushed that giant statue without even a sip of Alterian water. Got to get up, got to keep on moving.